Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where you can hear about front-of-mind topics in the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today's topic, Germany's role in Europe. Known for their engineering, precision, efficiency, and beer, Germany is the number four economy in the world and also the number one choice for logistics in Europe. And I've invited the regional director of Germany, Ben Eidenschink, and regional manager of Europe for the automotive vertical, Jürgen Adler, to talk about Germany's history with logistics and how it's grown to be a key component in Europe's overall logistics framework. Hallo meine Freunde und willkommen im Podcast. How are you guys doing? Ein wunderschönen guten Tag. Happy, happy to have us, Chris. Thank you very much uh, you're for gonna, being part here. You're going to have to translate that part for me. I only went through <laughs> Google Translate for, <laughs> for <Yeah>. my greeting. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for inviting us here to this interesting podcast. Uh, since I'm coming from the south of Germany, I would say Grüß Gott. So that's the, the, the Bavarian expression of saying hello, uh, having a good uh, chat today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. Um, tell me a little bit about your day-to-day right now, at least for this past year. Uh, ben, let's start with you. Yeah, a lot of home office, like everywhere in the world right sure, now. I sure. think the entire world is challenged with that uh, pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. Here in Germany, the same. Mm-hmm. Um, working through it, working hard. Um, I hope it's opening up again. We really uh, miss traveling like everybody does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, working through it. And Jürgen, how about you? Yeah, I think uh, after more than a year being in the home office, as Ben mentioned, I think uh, we kind of, uh, I mean, at least myself have been used to the day-to-day home office life, right? We're arranging ourselves beside the the travel with uh, bringing the kids to kindergarten and so on and the restrictions <laughs> we have given every other week. But sure. other than that, I think we are, uh, I mean, at least doing quite fine, I would say. Good, good, good. Well, let's get to know you two a little bit uh, more before we hop into today's topic. Uh, Ben, I'm going to start with you. What's your role or responsibilities around regional director of Germany? What do you do? Um, Actually, I'm um, responsible for all operations and infrastructure in Germany, Mm -hmm. uh, logistic-wise of expediters, and being responsible for the development and further um, growth of Germany in a logistics standpoint. Yeah, but what's a little bit about your background? I mean, how's your journey been with Expeditors up until uh, becoming regional director? Yeah, um, actually, I'm I'm very lucky to work with Expeditors for now over 18 years. Oh, congratulations! I started my yeah, and <laughs> it was quite a journey. Uh, started uh, in Germany uh, back in the days. Had great opportunities uh, along the way. In uh, my background is a little bit on sales and account management. I worked in the automotive industry. Uh, for a couple of years, um, actually in Austria, and then uh, turned into the US also with my background of automotive that really helped. I think we will talk about that today a little bit more. Yeah. And um, then um, was 10 years district manager uh, in Munich uh, and also in Frankfurt before I got the opportunity to take the regional role of Germany. Wow, congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, Jürgen, let's switch over to you. You're Kind of a, you're a recent addition to the Expeditors organization. What's your history before Expeditors, and what do you do now as regional manager for the automotive vertical in Europe? I think I call myself always a kind of like baby of logistics. Why? <laughs> because uh, I'm coming actually from a logistics family because also my father has been in logistics working for many, many years in a logistics company. Mm-hmm. And that's why how I get in- interested in this uh, profession, right? Uh, but uh, other than otherwise than my father, I'm more interested in the automotive and mobility part, which I find myself very ex- uh, exciting because every day is different, right? Why is everybody 
different because uh, that's how automotive is working, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Inventing new cars, uh, inventing new logistics programs, and how do uh, do you improve supply chains? That is, I, I think, my world in, in all my uh, almost 27 years in, in logistics, uh, automotive was uh, the most interesting a part in it, right? In the, in the longest part I've been working with, right? Yes, I joined uh, Expedise about two years and nine months, uh, almost turning three years now in, in this uh, June. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like home already. Why? Uh, because it's uh, just uh, so easy and so welcoming, right? To to work here. And, and, and what I'm doing here is my day-to-day -day job is actually helping our colleagues uh, uh, improving and getting the knowledge of automotive, right? Because uh, we know in the automotive world, we talk a, a different language, right? We're mm -hmm. using uh, special words uh, in, in terms of transportation, which is not common to other industries. So uh, trying to give my knowledge to the teams so that they can better understand how automotive uh, car manufacturers or suppliers are working. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and okay, so let's go ahead and talk about today's topic, and that is Germany's role in Europe. Um, ben, I'm going to kind of focus on these uh, next couple questions on you. Uh, let's start with the history. Uh, what is Germany's relationship to trade and logistics? And how has this kind of persisted over the centuries? Um, actually, let me start a little bit about the culture and the 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 background in Germany. You know, Germany yeah. was always known as the country of poet and thinker, uh, if you would call it. And that was always a great platform uh, for developers, scientists, researchers, and very visionary people mm -hmm. um, that grew in Germany. So if you, if you look back, many great discoveries and inventions are originated uh, and started in Germany. Just to name a few, if you're looking at uh, Johannes Gutenberg, uh, who invented the uh, the letter print with the first Bible uh, already in 1400, yeah. or looking at Werner von Siemens, 1867, inventing the dynamo, like one of the electronic uh, first engines, right? Wow. Um, but also other uh, other many invention came from Germany. It's TV, telephone, chip cards, MP3. So. It is, it is long in our history mm -hmm. uh, in, with many diversity uh, in the industry and verticals. Uh, Mr. Röntgen invented the X-ray uh, in Germany um, or the aspirin. Many of us probably used it uh, yeah. on some Sunday mornings. Uh, <laughs> it's invented in Germany. So, uh, and, and you could see that, that many of this uh, has their roots um, in still many traditional German brands, mm -hmm. especially on machinery and production industry and manufacturing uh, is, is uh, many brands grown from there. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, it is not only that, right? It's chemicals, pharma, electro, consumer goods, aviation, machinery, steel and metal. You know, all of these uh, products have a, have a big history in Germany and grew here. I think that's, that's a fundament of trade mm -hmm. that Germany started. Yeah. Um, combined with that, and you mentioned at the beginning, Chris, um, and maybe it matched to the aspirin, uh, we also <laughs> invented the beer, right? Yeah. Which, which is, you know, I think one of our best exports ever. But uh, with that, we also um, came up with the uh, German purity law in 1560. Um, meaning by that, you know, a lot of our invention was always based on quality compliance and controls. Mm. Uh, and I believe that's also a little bit in our, uh, um, in our culture that we, we want to do it right sure. uh, and, and control, control it as well. Um, so setting up high standards, um, we also, and I think we will talk about that uh, today, the big invention of uh, Gottlieb Daimler. 
mm-hmm. um, who invented the car and motorcycle in 1887. I think Jürgen will come up on that a, a little bit more later. But yeah. uh, sure, that was that was a big one. Uh, and for sure, not only that, we also um, established with that the infrastructure with it. So looking at, uh, you know, we, we started the autobahns, right? you can drive the car on it, sure. uh, but also... Um, <laughs> But also on factories, right? Mm. We now uh, uh, read a lot in, in the current press about giga factories, and you know that's like the theme and the word. Um, but looking uh, um, looking into the industry, Volkswagen still has the biggest uh, giga factory on earth, and that mm. started in 1938. So um, just just showing a little bit where we came from, and uh, I believe. Which, which brought us into that big trade exporter uh, and production industry nation. What about now? I mean, what does Germany do for Europe? I mean, it's, it has this incredible uh, abundance of exports and stuff. How is, it, how is it able to effectively push that out throughout Europe and, and, th- and the rest of the world, really? It, it almost sounds like Germany is a, is a real gateway into Europe for, for the rest of the world. How did that come to be? I believe there is the trade and logistics is in our DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you look a little bit back in history again, uh, already in 1400s, the Hanseatic League started the international trade um, mm. with uh, a German union of businessmen who were focused on trades and foreign countries mm-hmm. um, with already a local, a very strong local port infrastructure and the first ocean roads, right? And that really results in, uh, in growing trade and growing wealth in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that continues to develop into, into a rail system starting in 1800. You know, we, we always were focused on, you know, producing and then also exporting right. uh, and trading with, with other countries. Um, so combined with that uh, mentioned existing industry diversity, I would say, leading innovations and that growing infrastructure, uh, I believe we were also, uh, um, you know, getting onto the next level when in 1952, we started the original European Union. At that time, it was called uh, Montan Union, mm-hmm. but that was actually the ground uh, for, for the European Union, also for trade agreements and mm-hmm. again, uh, for foreign trade. Was, was Germany already in a good position then to, I guess, meet the needs of this new European Union that was starting to, to rise? Um, or, or did it have to work to become um, this, I guess, this icon of logistics that we see today? Yeah, I think as a founder, we already was we're, yeah. we're, um, a really solid base to get mm-hmm. it started with our partners. And I believe um, also this is still today. Yeah. Uh, I, I would call Germany as one of the strong motors of that uh, European uh, vision. From the you know, from the mid '50s when this union was starting up until now, there's been you know numerous global events um, and and changes and demands, um, disasters that have happened. How has the European Union uh, been able to stay strong? I guess with their logistics throughout all these major events. That's a great question, actually, especially because so much stuff is happening, right? Sure, right. But as I, <laughs> as I as I just uh, mentioned on the um, yeah. Uh, economy, power, and influence of Germany and, and holding to the European Union, mm-hmm. we, we walk through a lot of challenges, right? Um, but keeping that focus uh, and also, you know, standing our ground in the other world of the industrial nations, um, I believe Germany still represents the vision and direction. 
mm-hmm. um, even through all these setbacks and challenges we see, if it's, if it's a Brexit or if it's the uh, economic crisis. Yeah. Um, what is a key element of that? I believe is the consistency that Germany has all mm-hmm. over that centuries. And, and um, I believe also one of the big uh, achievements is that continuous uh, growing wealth in Germany that also supports the, and, and protects the wealth of Europe. And um, I, I think one great achievement, it's not even in trade, um, <laughs> we achieved peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to mention that. Uh, uh, it, is, it is one of the biggest achievements of the European Union mm-hmm. uh, that we were able to, to build a, a union and community uh, in peace and growing trade. So that's from a cultural aspect that you're talking about, about Germany's vision, uh, this, this culture of consistency. What about the, the actual uh, hard um, infrastructure about it? What makes it an ideal country, whether it's you know, the location of it, uh, its, its size, a population, that makes it the ideal country to support the rest of the EU? Yeah, I believe uh, you, you just mentioned one. Uh, <laughs> it's the center of Europe, which sure, is yeah. you know, geographically just, just a perfect spot. Mm-hmm. Um, with, uh, with, with, hub, with ports uh, uh, in Hamburg and in Bremen that are really strong. Um, it is very high developed on inland waterways. So looking at a port of Duisburg, who's like the biggest domestic port of the world, mm-hmm. um, and a very uh, large uh, connection of really reliable autobahns, as I said, I hope you can drive on it. <laughs> I, I hope to one day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> still no speed limit. Yeah, right. So... <laughs> Um, for trucks, yes, but um, but uh, and also if you're looking at um, the uh, air freight hubs um, that we have, strong airports for sure, mm-hmm. with uh, Frankfurt in the middle of it being number one for freight. Hamburg is, as just mentioned, like third biggest uh, port uh, in Europe. Um, we have strong railways connected to that. Mm-hmm. So so the entire infrastructure of that combination makes it makes it a really strong location. Um, on, uh, on, on, on another point, I believe, um, is the compliance setup that, that Germany, or it's the security that Germans give, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very safe environment to do business. It's a stable economy. It's a stable government and politics um, and, a, and a reliable infrastructure. I believe that in these days as well is a very important point uh, for doing business in Germany. Um, so, so Germany has also established a very stable long and uh, strong economy history mm-hmm. um you know we are still number one economy in europe and number four economy globally yeah um you know just <clears throat> just to compare that a little bit with the us maybe right um being one of the tops uh with 328 million people mm-hmm. germany is is from a scale uh, i think 28 times smaller than the us <laughs> um and we have only 83 but you know very productive and efficient i would yeah. say in that economy grows. Uh, and uh, I believe in a combination with a high culture of quality, trust and consistency, that is uh, what, what makes uh, Germany so attractive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And another thing that makes Germany attractive is the cars. And so Jürgen, I'm gonna switch over to you. Um, talking about automotive, you know, obviously Germany has an incredible legacy with cars and and this history has been full of change. Could you talk a little bit about that legacy and, and Germany's role in the success of automotive? 
Yes, sure. I mean, as Ben mentioned earlier already, uh, it goes back to the year 1887, where a gentleman called Carl Benz uh, invented uh, actually uh, the first combustion engine together mm -hmm. with uh, Nicolas Otto. So there were two gentlemen who basically uh, invented the whole kind of uh, car, what we see today in, in the German uh, space, right? Uh, and from that, Mr. Benz fitted this engine into a car frame, into a coach, right? Which was really mm. the biggest invention at that early stages. And that is how uh, it started off. And given with all these years, given in 1900, uh, Germany produced 900 cars a year. So that's going to be a little bit uh, more than three cars per day. Uh, mm -hmm. if, we, if we set that into relation to today, uh, today, uh, the most plants produce a thousand cars per day. So, uh, so there is, <laughs> you see how quickly is the development, yeah. right? But uh, yeah. I think that we Germans used that uh, in uh, taking this as the leadership, right? Because mm -hmm. out of these invention, there were other brands founded BMW in 1916, Volkswagen came on board as well. Uh, but all companies were founded based on families, right? So mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. we look at Volkswagen today, I think that's a good, very good uh, example. It's still a family owned company existing of two families uh, who are uh, controlling Volkswagen today, including their 12 friends. That. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you can say, you can argue a such big company isn't a family company, but in, in theory it is because these family control still what will happen in the future, right? Mm -hmm. uh, obviously they have a, a, a leader, but the, the controlling board is still the family. And, and that is exactly the same with BMW. BMW is still owned by a family, Miss Quant. Mm -hmm. So, so I think uh, this family ownership drove the success of the German car industry. Why? Because this family had a vision. How can we bring this? How can we grow that further? Mm -hmm. And if you see the years coming, of course, there was a disruption when we had the Second World War, and the factors were used for some produce some different things. Uh, but after sure. the war, uh, immediately the car manufacturers start again producing cars and yeah. then they merged uh, between each other. So the, the brand's growing bigger. Uh, and with that long-term vision, they like Volkswagen, they expanded outside of Germany, going mm -hmm. to China very early stages, acquiring other brands like Seat in Spain, Skoda in Czech Republic, uh, and then Porsche in the in the earlier years, uh, they acquired as well, or they merged together with Volkswagen. So that now we have these 12 brands and all like BMW did a little bit the same and for uh, and Audi was a little bit the same too. There is, a, the, Audi is, is, is a merger between different brands. And that mm -hmm. is how uh, Germany automotive industry became famous. One was the engineering uh, uh, topic and the second was actually long-term vision. How can yeah, we absolutely. make that brand and sell that brand outside? And the biggest success factor is export, as you know. And mm -hmm. most of the cars are exported to different countries in the world. And that is actually saves us today. If there is any trouble in the inland economics, 
we still keep exporting. And, and so one of the things that's going to be challenging, I guess, this vision of, of German automotive is nowadays, like there's a push for gas-free vehicles. You know, there's a number of countries that are announcing either 2025, 2030, mm-hmm. 2050, mm-hmm. that they want to go gas-free. How, uh, how are these automotive companies going to be able to address that? And how does Germany, I guess, and their logistics infrastructure able to support this kind of change, or that, at least this rollout of, mm-hmm. of all these new components and new products, essentially, that are going to be coming out? That's, that's a very good point, because you know, that goes back also to Volkswagen again, because Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a long time, the German car industry didn't really believe in the electrifying vehicles because they said sure. uh, a vehicle needs an, an combustion engines, which makes a sound and the sound which we like when we're driving on the highway, right? Uh, <laughs> and so does the German people, right? Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and so, but, uh, you know, as you know, most of the cars on German roads were diesel cars. Uh, and mm. uh, then uh, the incidents came, which originated in the US actually with the diesel gate, right? Where mm. uh, brands did uh, maybe uh, not the right declaration, right, in terms of, of, of CO2 emissions. And that sure. is how, when it started, uh, the, the whole industry had to rethink what they are doing, right? And then mm-hmm. more slowly but surely, they began uh, looking at electrical cars. Um, but still, uh, I think uh, the car industry still uh, is working on a different solution as well on the hydrogen cars. Because I think mm-hmm. the German engineers think that hydrogen might become a good alternative to electrical cars so i think mm-hmm. we're gonna see uh, a few more options coming in the in the in the, in the next few years but uh, but slowly but surely everybody is trying to invent uh, electrical cars but not in total i think what we mm-hmm. see is we will see in germany and in europe is a uh, two two way of living right which means actually we will see hybrid cars, which run still with a normal engine and a battery, and we will have see fully uh, EV, EV cars, which are mainly driving in cities for short distance. And that is, I think, maybe a combination, right? And, and that is how the German industry is kind of directing themselves in keep the way what they are doing because we're, mm-hmm. they were successful and we see that and then being ready for the EV switch. With that, with this new kind of products, or at least you, you said there's these essentially two kinds of vehicles that'll be out there, you know, the hybrid and the, and the battery, what challenges have already been identified um, and need to be addressed for supply chains currently to uh, account for these new products that are coming out? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest uh, challenges, of course, is transporting lithium batteries. We all mm. know uh, this is dangerous cargo, uh, and uh, then uh, obviously it, it becomes uh, more difficult. And most of the batteries today are originated in Asia, so they have a long mm-hmm. transportation uh, way ba- back to Europe, right? So, and mm-hmm. today, of course, the capacity, especially when you have critical uh, components, you have to fly them, and obviously today. Uh, the capacity is not really there to transport thousands of battery packs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, including the, the restrictions we have with the dangerous goods. So I think there's a long way uh, to go. But uh, on the other hand side, the automotive industry has realized that challenge and the car makers are now trying to uh, force, let's say, battery manufacturers or building themselves power plants uh, in order to produce those batteries close to the production of the car 
in order mm. so that they can avoid uh, this long distance transportation, which is very unstable and which makes uh, forecasting very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think there's two ways of seeing things. So if I, I want to try and connect this all back to Germany's approach to logistics. How is uh, Germany's legacy and history with automotive an example of the approach to logistics? Yeah, well, it's, that's a good question. You know, if you look back at how automotive industry started, way back in 1887, uh, it started with a simple engine, right? And uh, the German engineers developed this to a state-of-the-art product, right? And they ramped up production volume from 900 cars a year to uh, 1,000 cars a day. And that Mm -hmm. was only possible with good engineering, uh, good supply chain planning, and top-notch logistics, right? And Mm -hmm. to have this top-notch logistics called just-in-time production or just-in-sequence production uh, obviously ties back to logistics which needs a very good organized way on how to transport goods in the right manner and in the quickest way possible to the production facility whether it is by air freight ocean freight or road transportation so everything was kind of fine-tuned over all these years so that they can really maximize the production volume uh, to really uh, a quantity which you say how a thousand cars per day is an incredible volume and that's mm-hmm. in, in, in just in time uh, I think uh, with that uh, logistics was developed the same way and the, mm-hmm. in the, inter, in, in the infrastructure like Ben mentioned earlier was developed with that as well uh, Ben I wanted to come back to you now for some closing uh, topics here is now that we've established how important vehicles are to Germany, you know, when people think of Germany, they're likely to think of cars, they're going to think about beer. Why should logistics be added to that? Why should people be thinking about logistics when they think of Germany? It's quite easy. We have the best cars and the best beer. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore the best logistics. <laughs> because we want to get you the best that? cars. We want to get you the best beers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I believe um, logistic-wise, Germany is, is, as I mentioned before, is is a very mm. stable uh, country and very very stable environment with, with a very high developed infrastructure on ports, railways, waterways, um, auto autobahn, airports, uh, and and that central location with that mm. knowledge-based uh, experience uh, as as we walked through in that podcast on uh, production and infrastructure history. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. that, that that developed in very high expertise, uh, a very driven uh, focus on, on quality uh, and compliance, uh, which makes it so attractive um, for mm-hmm. logistics, uh, production and, and export. Now, I kind of want to, there's something I noticed as, as Jürgen was talking about, uh, you know, try, the slow adoption to electric vehicles is and I know that we've kind of talked about this before uh, off off the, uh, off recording, but Germans sound a little stubborn, right? <laughs> so you you put it you put it great. You know, it is something, and, and I, I, that that that's a great one, Chris, because you know, I, I said the reliable uh, and sure. consistent. It works, right? So if sure, Germans right, right, start right. something and it's it, it works, so. You know, our mentality turned into a don't touch it if it works, right? Yeah. So, Whoa, so hey, that, yeah, that's it's perfect. But that is also 
uh, taking us to a challenge for the future. And that's what I want to ask is like, where's the room for improvement? Uh, where do they need to improve? And that's why I call out that, that stubbornness, really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I believe, you know, if we're talking about economy growth and, you know, the, the wealth that we have, I, I believe in, in that infrastructure, we just don't want to touch it. Uh, sure. in, in the speed of uh, the changes in the world, you know, we just talked about e-mobility. You know, we, we are not the experts in change. I would say, mm. right? We need probably <laughs> more time for change. We are rethinking it. We want to make sure it works first. It has mm -hmm. the controls that it needed. It has a quality that we uh, uh, that we want to see, then we go into that direction. You know, if, if mm -hmm. we do it, then I, I believe we do it right, and <laughs> we do sure. it yeah. uh, reliable, and and people can trust on. Uh, but that is probably something uh, um, that is in that really fast world. Something we need to mm -hmm. learn going forward to be to mm -hmm. be better. So it's not so much that the approach is uh, being late to the game. It's 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 it, everything's being considered, but you just want to make sure and test it and engineer it so that it never breaks or that it is right the first time. Yeah, I would like to add here on the customer service side for the automotive, for example, you know, we mm -hmm. are giving an extremely good customer service uh, uh, to our clients, to the clients, right? Which means if the vehicle break down, they get immediate assistance, right, in a timely manner. So we care. So that means if the battery, for example, is broken, there need to be a way to change that battery as quickly as possible, right? And to mm -hmm. do that, we need to study that very carefully, how this is going to be done and how what are we doing with the broken batteries, right? Because we need to make sure that those broken batteries are uh, scrapped uh, in a, in a CO2-friendly manner. So, and I think yeah. we want to take care of the environment and that's also includes uh, broken batteries, defective batteries, how to kind of scrap them. And I think that's something very important. And to add to Ben's uh, comments, I would also like to mention is that we calculate very carefully whether the CO2 emissions of electric cars are a saving Mm -hmm. compared to combustion engines or not because uh, what we also do in our calculation we also calculate how, how much co2 emissions do you have to produce a battery mm -hmm. right that also oh, sure, right. fits yeah. into that right yeah. and obviously that's probably more than to produce a combustion engine. And if you add that up, is that still uh, environmentally friendly, right? So I think mm -hmm. we take our subjects very seriously before we start. So going back to the challenges, you know, of uh, being slow to change, uh, but then, but also wanting to do things right. Um, how does Germany overcome those challenges? Um, I, I believe uh, right now we are in, investing a lot into digitalization, into um, picking up new industry, you know, finding our way back into that innovation that we talked about here today, right? When, when I look at, at some, some of these um, uh, areas like Berlin right now or, or other, other big, uh, big cities that are really getting into that uh, new inventions, new industries, uh, I believe there is a great momentum uh, coming back. Uh, and, and, and combined with the German old established industries, right? So, mm -hmm. so I, I believe I believe that synergies of that really strengths industrial uh, um, um, infrastructure we have combined with the new ideas that we 
that we see coming on board uh, will mm -hmm. will keep us uh, um, f f gas in the tank, I would say, for further <laughs> developments uh, sure, sure. In, in different areas and industries. Yeah, absolutely. And and well, the final thing I want to touch on is um, growth for companies who are coming into Germany. A, a company when they want to establish themselves in, in Europe, like Germany, sounds like it's going to be the top choice. Um, how have uh, I guess? Can you think of any examples of companies that have and how they've grown since establishing operations in Germany? Yeah, I mean, uh, if we look here at the recent establishment, right, and we we call out here Tesla, who decided to choose Germany uh, for its protection, because uh, mm. I think many companies realize how important it is to produce in a country where, you know, on a long run, have the a high car sales in, in terms of uh, these electric cars, right? Sure. And uh, in, in order to convince the German people to buy an, uh, this uh, foreign brand, you possibly need to manufacture that in that same country because then obviously uh, there's a certain guarantee of quality because the cars are manufactured in Germany. So it could mm -hmm. be seen as a high quality brand and that will help you in the overall sales. Yeah, absolutely. And then Ben, for companies that, that don't deal in automotive, um, how have they grown uh, since establishing in Germany? I believe there's a big combination with that, right? We talked about that historically. Um, you know, we always build the infrastructure around it, right? So if you have mm -hmm. a certain vertical to that, you know, there are so many industries, uh, inventions coming around that, right? If, if, if you have uh, a, a farmer being one of the, the, the verticals growing in, in, in Germany, then you have all the productions around it. We, we just see that on the example Jürgen said on, on, uh, um, on Tesla coming into the Berlin area, you could see that entire area growing on recharging stations, uh, inventions mm -hmm. on any kind of battery. You know, th this is really then uh, we, 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 we take the uh, advantage to build everything around it. And I believe that makes it to the strong infrastructure. You don't, you don't come into Germany as a company and, and you know, individual invest uh, siloed. I, I believe it's always surrounded. Uh, with a lot mm. of opportunities around that industry, uh, around that product, um, around that idea. That is a fascinating way to look at that. Yeah, huh? I not I hadn't thought about that. If you can make it mm -hmm. here, you can make it everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. Uh, if people wanted to get to know you a little bit more or learn more about uh, moving their operations to Germany, uh, where can they find you? How can they get into contact with you? For sure, um, with the infrastructure that we also have on expeditors in Germany, Oh, well, geez. <laughs> you know, you can find us at one of our branches in, in, in Germany. We are mm -hmm. in every major hub and city uh, available in Germany for, for questions in any kind of transportation modes, compliance, uh, everything what is needed around uh, logistics. Um, yeah, absolutely. And Jürgen, how about you? Where can people find you? Yeah, I mean, uh, normally, uh, as I said, we, we are present in, in, in the offices here in Germany. I'm myself sitting in Frankfurt, so uh, I'm always open to assist uh, with any questions. Uh, if somebody have questions, uh, feel free to, to reach out, uh, whether this is uh, uh, by email or uh, by phone call. I'm, I'm happy to um, yeah, explain further and support with any um, yeah, requests, questions. At these times, you can also call our landline at home because we're all in home office. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for your time, gentlemen. This was uh, really fun to talk about, and I appreciate uh, chatting with you all. Thank you very much. Chris. Thank you very much. It was fun.
thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.